Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. For those who heard uh, the word on Christmas Day, which was a fantastic, we had Peter Cavanna preaching. It was great to have Peter back with us. My pastor, I always call him my pastor because he's the one who pastored here for, I think, nearly 13 years. It was great to hear the word of God from him. And he focused on the Christmas story and he looked at the journey uh, of Mary and Joseph and some of the things that we need to think about in our journey moving ahead uh, into into the future. And some real key things, I'd encourage you, I don't think it's on the website at the moment, but when it does go live, listen to it. It's a fantastic message. Uh, But I just want to, it's kind of not connected to that at all, but I want to pick up today on just something I really feel that I want to speak about. Um, And the title of my message is this, The Master's Keys. And I want to talk about, I think a lot of people always want to know what doors are going to be open to me next year. I hear lots of people say that. We hear lots of prayers about people saying, Lord, please shut doors, please open doors that you want me to walk into. Some people treat this as fate. They say, well, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Well, I believe in more than fate, and I believe in a Savior who cares for us and wants a, he has a plan for our lives. Now, it's not a New Year's message in any way, but I really believe that, that God has doors for us to open And he gives us keys to do that. That's why it's called the Master's Keys. Let's just pick up in Matthew 16, verse 13. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied to Peter, he said this, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. He changes his name. He says, first of all, he says, you're Simon. But he says, I'm going to call you Peter now. He says, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, that's hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. I don't know what you're, what you see in this scripture, but I think it's amazing that Jesus has this conversation in this region of Caesarea Philippi. He brings them up to this point. And he has this conversation with them, particularly with Peter. And he says to Peter, uh, and he asks the guys, who do you think I am? And they say, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Some of them, when they first ask the question, they talk about others. They say, well, some say, they don't talk about themselves. They refer to others and say, some people are saying that you're this, that it's this person. You're this person. But eventually Jesus 
wants to know, what about you? Who do you actually think I am? You've spent some time with me. You've seen, uh, you've seen things happen. We're here now. I'm asking you the question, who do you really think that I am? I don't know about you, but you might have been on your Christian journey for a while. You know a lot about Jesus, but if he was to come to you right now this morning, before you move into next year and say, who do you really think I am, James, John, Lily? Who do you think that I am? Is he that person to you? Is he the son of the living God? Because if he is, it changes your whole perspective on life completely. Completely. Many people we meet when we go out on the streets, they say, we know Jesus, he's a prophet, he's, uh, he's a good man. But you talk about him being the son of God and the conversation starts to get a little sour. Because to them he was a great man, he was a great person, but the fact of him being the son of God is just something that is not computing with some people. I love the fact that when Peter in this story says, I know who you are, you're the son of the living God. The next thing that Jesus wants to say to Peter is this. Yes, it's not just been revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, I could talk to you all day about who Jesus is. My flesh and blood will not change your view. It can help you. But it's the Spirit of God who will show you the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Not me. I have not got any power to do that. I can only give you the words. The Bible says that we, we looked at it the other week, that faith comes by hearing the word of God. When we listen to the word of God. But it's the spirit of God. He says, it's not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. It's an amazing concept to think about this. That Peter, when he's asked that question, Jesus is saying, do you realize the very fact that you've come to the conclusion, not just by what you've seen with your eyes, but actually, the reason why you're right there right now is because of my Father in heaven. He's revealed it to you. But he says this. He says, I'm going to call you Peter. Because on the church, he's going to be, you're going to be built. You're going to be the, the, the kind of the, the rock of the church. He says, the gates of hell are not going to overcome it. It's a powerful thing. He says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Many of us just read these bits of scripture sometimes and we just totally dismiss them. But that is the most amazing line for you for 2015. That he has given you the keys of the kingdom. I meet lots of people Lots of Christians who I don't know if they really believe they've got a bunch of keys like this one. I don't know if they really believe that they have the opportunity. A key opens doors. And sometimes I think in our lives we need to start stop thinking about what doors are going to open for me that I like. What can I have that's going to open for me so that my 2015 looks like this or that. Because a lot of the time... These doors are always looking at ourselves. But what God wants to build a church, he wants you to see his doors. Because I believe when you see his doors first, the other doors are a little bit more insignificant. But secondly, when you start to see his doors, you'll start to see the doors that are right for you when you go through his door. 
he gives you the keys of the kingdom. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is pretty powerful stuff. This is a supernatural bunch of keys. Available to every believer. And he's given them on offer to us. This story, when he brings these disciples up, it's in Caesarea Philippi. If you were to look at the details of this area, you'll find that he brings them right. Caesarea Philippi is right. It's like a city built on a rock. It's a huge cliff type rock. And it's amazing because Jesus does this a lot. He uses illustrations and he asks them, he asks them this really key question when he brings them into this area. It's almost like he's saying, do you realize that if you understand the concept that you are like a rock, look at this city that's built here. It's unusual. Well, that is what it's like for you. He always used these parable type stories and he brings them to this place. He says, look, in other words, this city that's been built here on this rock with a strong foundation. If you grab hold of this concept that the keys of the kingdom are on offer to you, they're there. You don't have to ask God for them. When you believe in him, these keys are available. He said this, he said, Who do you think I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is? I don't know if you ever looked at the Son of Man term. Before they come and say back to him, you're the Messiah. He says, who do people think the Son of Man is? We're going to look at Daniel 7. You can turn in your Bibles as well. But Daniel 7 gives us a glimpse of a description of the Son of Man. This is Daniel talking about in his vision, Old Testament. He says, in my vision at night I looked. And there before me was one like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given, this is describing the Son of Man in the Old Testament, before Jesus came on the scene. He says this, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. That will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Sounds a little bit like a a kingdom that's built on a rock that's not going to be overcome by hell. Doesn't it? This is the description of the Son of Man. He approached the ancient of days, went into his presence and was given authority, glory and sovereign power. Jesus asked them the question because he wanted to know, do you think I'm just a prophet like some people are going to think? Or do you believe I'm the one prophesied in Daniel 7 about the Son of Man who has authority, who has power? Because it's a little bit different to just a simple prophet coming along. Peter says, yeah, I believe it. You're the Son of God. You are the Messiah. And he gets it. I want to tell you today, if you don't know Jesus as your own Savior, if you don't understand this concept, it's not complicated. We don't like to make it complicated here because it is not complicated to come to find Jesus, who he is. The reality, the simplicity of Jesus Christ. He wants a personal relationship with every single person. He came at Christmas time. He came, we're celebrating it for a reason, to rescue people. To rescue them from their sin. He says to, he says to Simon Peter, he says, blessed are you. 
Because it's been revealed to you by my Father in heaven. I want to ask you today, if you've never experienced the revelation of Jesus Christ, don't look at the church to give you a, a clear description of who he is. You could hunt around Cambridge today, going to lots of churches, trying to find out exactly who Jesus is. Do you know what? I'm still, I've been worshipping for 13 years in this building. I still don't know exactly who he is. But I know he's the Messiah. I know he's the son of the living God. And he loves me so much. And I want to encourage you today. Don't try and paint the picture yourself through church. Church is good. The Bible tells us we need to meet together regularly. Because if you don't, you're going to wander off. It's good to meet in church. But the key is this. It's the Father in heaven by his spirit will reveal the true identity of Christ. You want to know what keys you've got for 2015? Get to know Jesus. Get to know him in that personal place. Don't set some targets for yourself in, in January saying, I'm going to read. Some people say, I'm going to read the one year Bible. I'm going to do this and that. And they fail after maybe January or maybe January the 2nd. And they just get busy. And all of a sudden, your Jesus becomes your own failure. He's represented to your failure. I don't know why I'm saying this, but he's represented to your failure. And sometimes we we set these limits and targets for ourselves for relationship with him. But he's looking and saying, please just come and spend some time with me. Just rest in my presence. Stop trying to set targets for yourself. He has these keys for doors to open. Let's have some new view in 2015 when we come together that we're not just going to keep praying and saying will you pray that doors that doors are going to be open in this this and this let's just focus on his doors his kingdom because when we do everything else will start looking and falling into place that's what he wants don't worry about the things of this world he said don't worry about tomorrow tomorrow's today's got enough trouble of its own he said don't worry about tomorrow you've got enough problems with today seek First, the kingdom. I just want to look this morning at four, four keys. Four keys, I believe, are available that describe, that Jesus describes that we have the keys of the kingdom. These are four things I've pulled out. This is not specifics. Don't hold me to them. But these are four things I believe when he describes he's the son of man and you grasp the concept. The first one is this, the key to access. The key to access. When we truly understand who Jesus is, We realize he's the door to the kingdom. He is the front door. When we realize that, everything else starts falling into place. In John chapter 10 verse 9, Jesus said this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Did you get that? Did you get that? I am the gate. Whoever enters through me, no other religion offers this. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever comes through me, Whoever enters through me will be saved. Hallelujah. He says this next. They will come in and out and find pasture. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. But let me remind you of this. That when you become a Christian, the Bible tells us that we're citizens of heaven. He says we're citizens. We're placed in the heavenly realm. I don't look like I'm in the heavenly realm this morning. I'm definitely on the stage. I'm definitely singing and worshipping and I'm with you. I'm going to have a coffee later and I'm just like you. But he says we're seated in heavenly realms. 
But he says this, they will go in and out and they'll find pasture. In other words, when you operate in the kingdom of heaven and you access it, he gives you access and authority to access through him. He is the gate. When you go in and out, you find pasture. In other words, sometimes you have to learn to come back to earth again. Some of us have got to go back to our jobs. Some of us have got to go back to work. Some of us are thinking, I'm excited, but I've got to go and do this and that and this. When you go in and out, it means for now, you're not in it completely. A day will come, it says Jesus will return again soon. He is coming, I believe it's not long. But when he comes back and we go to be with him, that's when you'll stay there in the pasture. That's when you'll not have to go back to work. You'll not have the troubles. But while you're here, you go in and out. He gives you the door and the access. The front door to the kingdom is Jesus Christ. He is the access. I meet so many people who seem to be on this spiritual level sometimes and they act like they're in the kingdom and they don't want to do any job or work. They, they act like that they, you know, they go to work and they, I can't, I can't do work. I need to speak in tongues. I need to be spiritual at the company. No, you need to stop. Sometimes when I was at work, my boss owned my time. He paid me to do my job. Therefore, I better get back to work. I'm not there to start walking around the office praying and speaking in tongues. Only if he allows me to, which is very rare. Never. (laughs) But we go in and out. While you're operating in 2015, don't get worried about the fact that you have to do jobs as well. That you have to work. We all have to do these things as well. We go in and out. When you come along to Tuesday meetings or you get involved in what we're doing, you're coming into the presence of God. You're coming in when you step in at your home and you're in that private place. You go in, then you go back out. But let me tell you this, he gives you access for a reason so that you can spend time with him. So you cannot be corrupted by this world. I don't want to be corrupted by this world. What's this world give me? It gives you nothing. It just tries to corrupt us. We want to go in and out. I also meet some people on the opposite. They're not so spiritual. Some people who, they talk the talk. They talk the talk big time. They know their scriptures better than me. Oh yes, I've met them. They challenge, they challenge and talk about the scriptures more than me. But sometimes they don't seem to see they have access to the kingdom. They don't seem to see they have these bunch of keys. I'll tell you what, I'm more interested in the ones who are doing the word, not looking at it and just reading about it. Do the word. Second Timothy 3 verse 5 describes these. It says they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. I don't know if you've met them before, but people who look so religious that you're too scared to go near them. They look too religious. They know their stuff. But they deny his power. They don't believe that they have the keys to see God touch lives and heal the sick. No, they stay right there in the book. Just learning. Just waiting for the day when God might move. Well, he wants you to move. You have access. What's important for you today is if you don't know this access, you need to discover the pasture. The pasture it talks about where people go in and out of the kingdom. 
In other words, I don't just leave here today and step into heaven and see some golden streets. And No, by his spirit, we worship in spirit and truth. By his spirit, I can enter into his kingdom. I go in and out and I find pasture. Some people say this, don't they? They say the grass is always green on the other side. Let me tell you, it's very green on his side. It is very green on his side and it will never look any green on this side when you're there. When you're in his pasture, if you find Jesus, if you find him in that personal place, if you find him in 2015 the way he wants you to, you will be eating from the pasture. You'll be taking him from him by his spirit. And the grass is always green on his side. Hallelujah. Yes. Second key, the key of identity. I believe he gives us the key of identity. He said... I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. In other words, I'm changing your name. The Father in heaven has revealed this to you. By his, by my spirit it's been revealed. And because you've understand the concept, you've understood it, on this rock he says, I will build my church. Simon, the word, the name that he was before, it says it describes his name before, before Jesus changes it. Simon is reed-like. In other words, it sways like the wind. I don't know if you feel like that sometimes, but you feel like you sway in the wind. You feel weak. But he says, do you know what? When you understand the concept of who I am, you will be given, you've understood my identity. You know that I am Jesus, the Son of God. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Your identity has just changed because I'm going to call you Peter. No longer you are a reed that sways in the wind. Now you are a rock. And when you understand this concept, the church can be built on that understanding. You are a rock. We we operate in this new kingdom. We operate in this way that when I I operate in the way now that I know that I'm a rock. I know that he's given me identity that I'm a rock. And in this world that's just changing constantly, that there's so much more persecution. There's so much more that's coming against Christianity these days. You say, well, am I really a rock? I want to ask you the question, if persecution comes your way, what are you going to be? Are you going to be a rock or a reed? Are you going to be a rock or a reed? Because I'll tell you what, the real truth about what you know about Jesus, his identity, not just knowledge, but relationship, is going to come one day to each and every one of us in some way, and it will hit. And it's then when you need to know who he is, not just by reading, but have it revealed to you by spirit. You say, how do I do that? Have I got to do some certain ritual? No. You said, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me from the inside out. I don't know how to do it, Lord, but I know that you do. Just come in and change me. Put your spirit inside of me. Make your home inside of me. I want to be born again of your spirit. I want to see you for who you are. Say that prayer and I'll tell you what, His Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll start to see things differently when you read the Bible. He'll give you an identity. I know something, I'm glad all those years ago when I accepted Jesus into my heart, He gave me a new identity. Because mine was pretty poor before. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The new is here. So many of us meet and we 
probably will do, continue in 2015 to meet in prayer meetings, praying that God's going to build his church and do some special things. These are all good things. Don't get me wrong. But you cannot expect Jesus to do all the work. You cannot expect God to do everything. He's looking at us. He's saying, do it for me. Because you've understood now who I am. You have this relationship with me. You are my hands and my feet to do this work. That's not just preaching on the streets. We say all the time, there's so many things that people have giftings for to be the hands and feet. But so many of us go to prayer meetings saying, Lord, build your church. Don't let hell come against us. We bind these things. Get out and do it. Do something for him. He can only build his church if he has you to work with. If he's got you to work with, he can only do it with, he needs you. Do you understand that? You say, why does Jesus need me? He's, he's the son of God. Jesus said, you're going to do greater works than I. He says, I'm sending my spirit. In other words, he's not here. His hands and feet are no longer here. By his spirit, he is. But he wants us to do the work until he comes back. And every, and one day it says that people are going to be judged for their sin, but it says we're going to be judged for our works. And not works that get us into heaven, but he's going to say, come on, when you knew and understood who I was, why didn't you do these things? It doesn't invalidate your ticket into heaven. Oh yeah, you'll get through. But he'll ask the question, and I don't want to be stood in front of him when he says, why didn't you do this when you could have done that? Gives his identity. The other day we were in the church, I was down here and I was just doing some work and um, some of the guys were practicing for the, the carol service and they were just about to leave and I knew that Steve was popping in to see me a little bit later on and we were downstairs and I was in the cafe and, the, and just as I was leaving and Mel left with some of the guys, there's a man pulled up on the front in a van and this man he pulled up in his van and I looked at him straight away, I recognized him. Last July, just around the conference time, I met this guy. He used to work in here with the cleaners. And you may have remembered this, but I told a story of this man. And I prayed for him and he had a, a hernia that was coming out of his stomach. And the man, I prayed for him and commanded the hernia to go back into his stomach. And lo and behold, this hernia moved. He acknowledged it. Two weeks later, he said to me, I've never had so much strength in my stomach. That was great. God had touched him. Then I didn't see him because they ended up not working for the cleaning company anymore. This was last July. Then just the other day, he drives up, parks on the front. He says, I've come to see you. I said, why? He says, because for 16 weeks, I've been laid with sciatica issues in the neck and all down one side of the body to the left foot. He said, if I move my neck back just a few centimeters, he says, it sends shooting pain down my body. And honestly, I cannot, if you, if you want to validate this, speak to Mel. She was here, but he climbed out of his van. He literally couldn't barely walk. He was like a cripple trying to come into the church. I said, come in, come inside, brought him inside. I took him in the office. I spent 20 minutes talking to him. I said, why have you come here? He said this, he said, I've come here. He says, because you're the first person that I thought of. He said, I've been in pain. I haven't been able to get around. He said, you're the first person. He says, cause I've never forgot what happened in the kitchen. That's church for you. That's Jesus. I said, right, come in. So he sat down. We talked about it. I didn't pray straight away. I wanted to understand why he'd come. 
I said, listen, God can touch you again of this problem. So I began to pray. I prayed several times for him and asked the pain to leave. Then Steve arrives. Steve then prays for him. I said, I'm going to show you something. He had a little bit of pain left by the end of it in the bottom of his back. I said, I'm going to show you that it's nothing to do with me. It's all to do with Jesus. Steve's going to pray for you now and ask the last bit of pain to leave. And you're going to see that it's nothing to do with me, what you've experienced for the last 40 minutes. It's all about Jesus. He's going to pray. In fact, when Steve put his hand on him, he felt the presence of God more powerful than before. Went into his body. The pain leaves completely. That man walked out of here. looked like he'd just been to the gym. He was moving around completely flexible. He kept saying, I'm flabbergasted. He was trying not to swear. This is what happens to people when they experience Jesus. He walked out of here completely pain-free. I said to him, he said, I've got some people on Mill Road I've just dropped off. I said, is there anyone sick? He said, yeah, one of them's got fibromyalgia. I said, phone them up, tell them to come down here. God will touch them too. I said, bring them. I said, Jesus has not come for people who are healthy and good. He says, I've come for the sick. He hasn't come for people with halos above their head. He's come for sick people. I says, go and find them. He says, they, wait while they see me. They're going to know the difference when they see me. He went out of here completely different. He said, I can now tr- drive to Devon to see my daughter who he didn't think he'd be able to go to see in Devon. I says, that's the best Christmas present you've ever had, isn't it? He says, it's amazing. I'm flabbergasted. This is the kingdom. When you operate in identity like this, and it doesn't, it's not something that we've conjured up over years of saying, Lord, anoint me, give me anointing so that I can do this. It can happen for you tomorrow. It doesn't require time. God's not looking for your time to give you this gift. But he wants you to work with an identity that says, I'm working in heavenly realms. And I'm speaking to these mountains and they're going to go. But so many of us, we wander around the bottom of the mountains, don't we? And we don't speak to them. It's amazing and I believe that God is doing something in his heart. We were able to give that man a Bible and tell him the gospel as well for another 20 minutes after. And Jesus spoke to him. And it was amazing. It was so good. The next one, the next key I believe he wants to give you is the key of authority. The key of authority. The key of authority. He says that the gates of hell will not overcome. So many of us are battling sometimes. It feels like we're always talking about hell more than heaven. We're talking about what things are going wrong against us. What the enemy is doing to us. That we don't seem to know the authority that we have. I'll never forget as a young lad arriving in this church. And Peter Cavanagh introducing me to a young girl who had been involved in the occult. And really wrapped up in bad stuff in the occult. And I spent evenings watching this young girl demon possessed. Under the influence of stuff that she got involved in. But I will never forget this to the rest for the rest of my life. The night when I was here and praying for her and I could see this was real. I thought this sometimes I, th- I used to think if people in the world could see the reality of this. They'd run to God. They would run to him. And I looked at it in front of my eyes. Peter said this to me. He says, you pray. You command. So I did. And I saw the authority. Not in me. But I saw the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. When his name was used. The enemy flee away. 
He's given us authority. Not stop praying to be anointed. Lord, anoint me for the task. You are anointed. Pete used to say this to me. Say, act like you're anointed because you are. Don't pray that you get anointed to do the worship leading or anything. We're anointed. We are anointed when you receive his spirit. There's nothing else more to do. So many of us want to get these extra updates, extra app updates. Because we think we've got one thing, but you know, we, I feel a bit rough this morning, so I need to get an update from the Spirit. No. Do you think His power is limited to this? He has given us authority. He's given you authority. And He's given you that key. The key of authority. It's on your bunch. You've just got to know it, and you've got to operate in it. I remember when Peter first gave me the key to this building. Many years ago, quite a few people have got keys now. But when he first gave me the key, do you know, I felt so excited. Wow, Peter's trusting me with the building. It was just a really good thing. He's trusting me to come and open the building. This is an amazing thing that I've been given this ability. These days, I realize that there's more to it than just the key. Boy, oh boy, I could go back to those days when it was just the key. But then he said to me, will you look after a meeting tonight? Because I've got to go somewhere. And then I realized that I had to take authority. Taking the key. Some of us have got the key on our bunch, but we're not willing to take the authority. We're not willing to do something with it. But we like hanging it on the bunch and saying, look what I've got. But you're not doing anything with it. And he wants you to do something with it. Luke 10 verse 19 says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes. And scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. That's the truth. Colossians 2.15. Speaking of Jesus, Paul said this. He said, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. He's speaking about Jesus going to the cross there. He says that when Jesus went to the cross, he made a public spectacle of the enemy. Do you realize that? He he shamed them right there and then when he took the authority. All authority became his. He, he, He took death. Death or death, where is your sting? He took it and he made a public spectacle of them because he is the resurrection and the life. That day changed the whole future for you and me. Because from that moment, the enemy, although you feel pretty rough sometimes, although you feel like this life and you say, well, why is it God can't make certain things right and certain things? Why is it he allows these things? The Bible says this, that there is a God of this age. Do you know that that God is that it describes? It says there is a God of this age and it's Satan himself. It's described in the Bible. He says there is a God of this age, lowercase g. But you need to know the God, the capital G. You need to know the one who saves you, who is one who is coming soon to rescue you. You need to know you've got that key of authority. I didn't mention this to many people at all, but just a few months ago I was out and I went into someone's home and I saw God touch someone so powerful it was a Buddhist. And they touched this person, the pain left their body. They were so amazed by it, they ended up telling all their Buddhist friends, I've heard this since. She says, I've never heard a message like the gospel before. 
But do you know that day when I walked away from this, this particular thing, what God did to this Buddhist, it was amazing. The Spirit of God came upon her. All the pain left her from some incurable problem. But she felt the presence of God. When I left there and I walked back to this building, the first thing I saw, and I'd not seen it before, I walked up and on the front of our building, on the door was a witchcraft pentagram being drawn on our front door. I'd already heard from someone else in another church. He said, we've had some uh, witchcraft symbols put on ours, so it's not just us. He said, what are you going to do about it? I said, nothing. What are you going to do? There are also other things laid around, sticks and stuff. Sticks and stones may break my bones. I'm not going to do a thing. I got them, I kicked them, just chucked them in the bin. I didn't get it and start doing a prayer trying to bind these things up. Jesus has given me more authority because he went to the cross, the wooden cross. I don't care what a twig's going to do. There's no twig resting in our car park is going to do anything. When I know Jesus went to the cross, he hung upon the tree for me. His power is right there. Nothing will harm us. We have the key of authority. So many, this person said to me, because what are you going to do? Are you going to do anything? And do you need to bind something? I goes, I ain't going to bind anything. It's all been done at the cross. Right there. What am I going to do? Any extra to what Jesus can do? Am I going to try and do something extra to what he's done? No. And these things, I'll tell you why they come. The enemy comes to scare you, to think that you don't have authority. Please don't come to me after saying, can we have a special prayer meeting for the occult symbols? No, because God's still been doing some special things here since then. He's not affected anything. Because I walk by faith. I walk in authority of who he is. We don't need to. The enemy wants you to think that way because he gets you to think that way. Then you won't act in authority. The next thing that happens to you, you'll just start to think, whoa, this is tough. This is hard. Finally, as I finish, the key of power. It gives you the key of power. Jesus said, verse 19, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'll give you the keys with authority and power. Do you truly believe that you have a door to be opened in 2015? Not a door just to some nice new job that you'd like. We all want these things and God will give us these things if we put his kingdom first. But do you really believe or do you want to walk through the door of power in 2015? When you see his power at work in lives changing lives. First Corinthians 2.4, Paul said this, my preaching, my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I don't know what you want this next year. Do you want to just keep soaking in the word, but never really doing anything with it? Or do you want to say, do you know what? I'm not going to concentrate on my doors that I want to be open, but I'm going to start opening some of these doors that's already there. The bunch of keys that he put on me on the day of salvation. I'm going to start walking through some of these doors and exploring them, because if I do, I'll probably start to think less about my doors. We need to think about this. It's serious stuff, because it's the thing that will build the church. When he says you get the keys of the kingdom and you operate in this way, it's how the church is built. 
the future vision of this church. I could give you a, a visionary message and tell you all the things we need to do. And there's, that's good strategy. But the key is this. Understand these principles of what keys are, are on you. If you're born again believer, they're there. The church will be built. We've got to start understanding that the Holy Spirit is not... He's a, to some people I meet, they treat him like a force. I mean, I've been to some meetings. I've seen them in the past where they treat the Holy Spirit like they, they pray on something as though like everyone's falling, falling down everywhere, as though he's, he's just knocking people around. That he's, he's not a force. He's a gentleman. He's a person. He's a person. And he has power. He has power. He has power. Wonder-working power. We need to ask the Holy Spirit every single day when we get up. What do you want me to do today? What's the will of the Father? I want to walk through some doors today, Lord. I want to use these keys that's available. So what is it you want me to do today? What can I do? I want to walk through these doors, Lord. What is it like to use this key of power? To have power, authority, and identity in Christ. Ask him that question. Start to operate in that way, asking for the will of the Father. Smith Wigglesworth said this, if the Spirit doesn't move me, I'll move him. In other words, Smith Wigglesworth, famous preacher, he's, he's long gone, he said this, he said, if, if it's not happening, I'm going to do something about it. In other words, he, he moved God. I think God wants to be moved by us. He wants to see us pushing the boundaries. Some of us say, no, we, we'd be disrespecting him. No. He wants you to push boundaries. Paul said the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's of power. Isn't it? It's not a matter of us just getting together, discussing how it could be. How it'd be so good if we operated in this way. But it's a, it's a power. I just want us to finish on just looking at this again. What Daniel saw in his vision when he described the Son of Man. Jesus said, who do you think the Son of Man is? And some of them were saying Elijah. And they were naming other names and not mentioning it. They're saying, some are saying this, but we think you're, you're Jesus. You're, you're the son of the living God. When Daniel saw in his vision, he said he approached the ancient of days, went into his presence, and he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. This is the son of man he's describing. But I also believe that if we understand who he is, and we understand that he is the son of man, that we have these things. He says, He approached the Ancient of Days, that's the Father, God the Father. In other words, he had access. He had access to the Father. He says he approached the Ancient of Days and went into his presence. First key for you is if you understand he's the Son of Man, you have access to the Father. You can approach the Ancient of Days, the same. Number two, as I said, he gives you authority. He says he went into his presence and the Son of Man was given authority. You were given authority. It's right there on the bunch of keys. He says this. He was given authority and then he says he was given glory. Do you realize that you're a new creation? He says one day we're going to have glorious bodies. I can't wait for that. I won't have to worry about January diets and things like this. He's going to give us a glorious body. He's given you a new identity. Finally, he says that when the Son of Man approached the Ancient of Days, the Father, God the Father, 
He says he went to his presence. He got access, authority, glory. He was clothed in glory. But he says this. He was given sovereign power. You've got a key of power available. If you know who the Son of Man is. Revelation 3 verse 8 says this. The angel says to the church in Philadelphia, says, I know your deeds. I've placed before you an open door that nobody can shut. I know that you have little strength. That's me. But he says this, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. He says today for you, there's some doors for 2015 that you can open. Stop looking at your own. If you look at my doors, you'll start to see a whole load of other doors that you've never even seen before. But if you look at your own, you'll never find his. You'll be constantly looking at your own self. And I want to encourage you today for next year, take hold of these keys. We want to help you to do it. We want to teach and we want to help people to operate in this way. Because it's so much more exciting than just knowledge on its own. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.